Hi, everyone. Welcome to TV with Friends. My name is Chelsea James, and with me is Evan, calling in from L.A. Hi, Evan. Hi. Hi. So we are waiting for a show to come, to a couple shows to come back, um, because we haven't really been watching the same shows this summer. Um, so we're waiting for Watchmen, which premieres in a couple weeks, and His Dark Materials, which premieres uh, the first week of November. And we will be doing, yes, and we will be doing weekly recaps of those uh, shows uh, before they premiere the next week. And so in the meantime, we've just been watching some movies and we're calling it Sometimes We Watch Movies. And this is our first little episode from the last 10 years of movies. So we're doing Call Me By Your Name, which is our movie for 2017. Yes, it is 2017. So, Evan, tell me a little bit about, because this is one of your favorite movies, and it means a lot to you, and I am a little late to watching it, but I absolutely adored it and loved it and made it my movie of 2017 as well. Um, so, yeah, give me a little insight about that. Were you What were you anticipating when you first heard about this movie coming out, and what was it like for you the first time you watched it? Well, it was... It- was very different because it was Uh oh. Where'd you go? <laughs> Come on back. Oh man. It was twenty seventeen, twenty eighteen Oh wait, hold on. I didn't hear you for like thirty seconds, so we're gonna no. start over now. Go for it. Okay. So when I was younger, you didn't have a lot of stuff at your disposal when you were kind of thinking about, you know, maybe, am, am I gay? Am I straight? Am I like, where are we going? And a lot of the times, you know, mainstream media, movies, stuff like that really informs your decision on, or, or even the way that you're thinking. Yeah. And between 2017 and 2018, we got first Call Me By Your Name, then we got Love, Simon, which was were really the first two American movies that came out that focused on a homosexual relationship. Yeah. There was not you really had to go watch foreign films. And the fact that Germany and Russia and France and all these other countries were backing and making movies that focused on a homosexual relationship were the first ones to be there. Yet, you know, we're, quote-unquote, the most progressive country and the most accepting country. And, you know, for Calling By Your Name to come across your plate, like, I could not wait to see this movie. I couldn't. I I downloaded a super terrible copy of it I remember I was at my parents' house for Christmas, and I just watched it and bawled my eyes out. Yeah. Because it, it's so beautifully filmed. It's, the music is amazing. Mm-hmm. The acting is amazing. And it's it just touched a part of my soul that I had never been able to access before. And it made me feel like, I mean, if I could have been... I could have been 15 and discovering myself for, and legitimately 
accepting myself. Yeah. At the end, it would have been made things so much easier. It wouldn't have taken till twenty-seven to figure shit out. Yeah. So that that's where it really touches me personally. No, that's really beautiful because it is. You're right. It it is so hard. We always. I think we pride ourselves like in with American movies is, well, we've got one gay in there or we've got a gay couple and this is, but we're never really following the true gay narrative and only in independent films or foreign films. Are we really seeing, you know, the truth of, of what it is like to be homosexual and, and not even, you know, even in the way of love Simon and stuff, love Simon's a little more of a cookie cutter kind of, happy-go-lucky version of all of this. But still, like, it just the access that teenagers had to this. And then, you know, as an adult gay man yourself, like, you know, that a movie, like you said, could gain access to all those emotions and stuff inside you and really kind of make you, you know, um, look back on things in your life. I think that's what makes movies great in the first place. So this movie, like we said, came out in 2017. Um, it is directed by, I'm going to fuck up these names. It's directed by Luca Guarino, written by James Ivory and adapted from the novel by Andre Osman. So it takes place in summer 1983 in Italy, right? Yeah. Italy. Yes. Okay. I got, I was starting to think of France there. And, um, it's just, let's talk a little bit about just the setting, because I think the setting, his home, the how you can feel how hot it is outside, and you can hear all the bugs and the birds chirping. You can taste the food that from the orchards and you know all of that. What what do you think they did so right here with the setting and making the setting like a character of the movie itself? Because the setting the setting itself is so innocent yet kind of inspires these characters that we're watching to explore the time that they're in, explore, I mean, because Elio, the main, what, I mean, what I would, who I would consider the main character, mm-hmm. he's not necessarily gay. He is very attracted to a, a young lady that he's been experiencing with in the movie, but it's, it's almost like an, it's the loss of innocence, I guess, maybe, or the, it's like a come it's definitely coming of age but it's the loss of innocence and then what i felt with is is what he really grappled with his sexuality and his desire because he was experiencing all of these things for the first time in like rapid succession you know it's a vacation it takes place over a few weeks or a maybe a couple months and it takes place like over a, yeah, like a season, like the summer season. And at first, although he's excited and intrigued, do you feel like he was struggling with, with what it meant at the same time? Yeah. And particularly because I listened to the book, I didn't read the book and the book is very different, but there's how many movies out there are there about like a summer romance or a spring fling mm-hmm. and like that's it, it really encompasses the, the feeling of that's what it is we both know that at the end of the movie it, it, it takes on a whole a much heavier connotation than that but yeah 
Yeah, so that's going to be, yeah, we'll discuss that at the end because that's going to take up a hefty amount of time. Um, What do you think, Army Hammer is a little, his character, Oliver, right? Yes, is, um, he's a little older, but this is 1983 and it's in Europe, so they don't do things like us. Um, And and those, in in different countries, they're, the connotation to sexuality is very different too. There is a lot more openness to, in certain respects. Yes. And it, I guess, maybe doesn't take doesn't make that much difference. I mean, I'm not from Italy, but yeah, it is it is it is He's a graduate student, and, he's, and Elio is fifteen. But mm-hmm. and so you know, it's like early twenties freaking, you know, mid, you know, very, very mature 15 year old. But I think it's, it's really cool that they decided to do that because it's not just Elio figuring out he's lusting after this man or what did this, what does this mean for his identity? But he's also kind of seeing men in a different way. Like when you date somebody older, you get to learn a lot of their life experience and that can be kind of intimidating because they know so much more than you. They've been on the earth longer than you. And, you know, I think maybe in the beginning, Ilya was a little um, intimidated by his knowledge and like how much, you know, he knew that could, was impressive to Elio's dad and made him like, you know, the perfect candidate for this program and stuff. So I, at first I was a little thrown off by the age difference and then it just it just made sense. It it couldn't have worked if it was like Elio and this like nineteen year old, you know. No, it would have been too simple. Mm-hmm. Like there wouldn't there wouldn't have been any complication. And I I really think that you know you say that you're learning from the older man, but I think that the older man was actually learning from Elio. Oh yeah, it goes both ways. Because. They're both figuring it. Like, Elio's just getting the chance to figure it out a little bit earlier. Mm-hmm. And Oliver doesn't even have the ability to figure it out. Or the, maybe it's not the ability, the, the chance, I guess, to figure it out. Yeah, because he, yeah, he hasn't gone down that road on his own before. No. And in the book, um, Elio actually hates Oliver. Like, yeah. He hates Oliver despises Oliver because, and they, they touch on it in the movie when they're having a conversation. Elio's having a conversation with his parents about uh, the way that Oliver just says later. Later. <laughs> yeah, and he thinks it's a very contentious, very pretentious, pretentious, pretentious. Um, and yeah, so it's they they learn equally from one another, and I think that's why they that when it comes to that scene and um, Oliver's like, you call me by your name and I'll call you by yours because they, they learn yeah. as much for one another. It's a, they're definitely like, it, at first it's kind of funny because I think Elio is a true teenage, teenaged character and Timothy Chalamet plays this really well because he's, he's kind of spoiled, he's kind of bored. And he's impatient and put off by things that he doesn't understand. And 
I think that's, you know, it's good that we see Elio in the beginning, just being like, oh, look at this little brat, whatever, you know, and then just growing to like love him for his like depth and his mind and really seeing how big his heart is. And going back to the age difference, was there any point in the movie that you thought that it was going to be a happy ending that they would end up together? I mean, I guess the eternal optimist, same, yeah. But I guess in the in the sense of the time that this movie takes place, it was ultimately doomed. They were, they were ultimately doomed to not be able to succeed. And exactly. And it's like, I found myself trying to go like, okay, well, you know, maybe they'll like have a long distance thing. And then when Elio goes to college, like they'll reunite and maybe one day, cause that's another thing about summer romance, spring flings and, and all of that. And especially coming of age stuff is, you know, going, going back, to, excuse me, going back to like Romeo and Juliet, you're just destined to fail. Like you're, there's, yeah. there's so much tragedy there. And at first in this movie, you don't see what's tragic about it because you're kind of swept up in how romantic and beautiful it is. And like we said, we're the eternal optimists for love and we want everybody to, you know, be in love and to be loved. And so I, I, for a second was like, is this going to work out? <laughs> Maybe <laughs> we'll see. I mean, you keep your fingers crossed yes. for them. You do. Yeah. What do you think? Then, no, go ahead. What? I was going to ask, what do you think? What were your favorite? We're talking a lot about Elio and not a lot about Oliver. Um, what were some of your favorite things about Oliver? Because I can't think of too many things I've ever watched Army Hammer in. So it was it was interesting for me to like kind of experience his acting again. This is, I mean, the only other thing that I like Army Hammer in really is the Social Network, mm-hmm. and he played two different roles, which was great. Yeah. This is hands down the one thing that I'll probably always remember him for. Definitely. Is, I mean, like literally hands down the, the yeah. only thing. Um, and he hasn't even done a whole lot after, after this. I haven't seen him in anything. Oh, well, there was another movie that he did called Free Fire, I think. And it's, it's forgettable. It's got a great cast, but it's forgettable. Mm-hmm. But then hands down that I can't really pinpoint something about his performance or his character uh, for the movie that I particularly liked because I was so I was so fixated on Elio's journey. Yeah. Because that was something that I didn't get to do when I was 15. Like, you know, and it, it's great because you get to see it in terms of 1984 or 1983 and it was a very different climate and Today it should be about the same thing, mm-hmm. but it it wasn't. Yeah, I mean, in nineteen eighty four and now, like we just kind of crossed the threshold of things being most, for the most part acceptable and people being able to be who they are. Mm-hmm. But to watch to watch him grow into a person that accepts himself and loves himself and allows himself to love someone else yeah. fully mm-hmm. with no, there's nothing holding him back. He is in love with this person and he shows it 
Yeah. And I think, and I think, of course. And I, I think one of the things that I would catch myself um, when I would fixate on Oliver's character is when, um, (laughs) when he would dance to love my way, which is like one of my favorite songs and the way he danced, first of all, he's a great dancer and I love the way they dance in the eighties, but it was almost like that was his, like everything coming off of him and just his like true spirit, which is he loves to take in the world. He thinks the world is beautiful. He feels things. He's not crazy stoic. At first I was like, Oh God, is this guy going to exude zero emotion? And you're really going to have to chip away at that, you know, brick wall to get to him. But when you see him dance or take things in, in the movie, it's just shows you that like he is, he needed this just as much as Elio needed it. And he needs to experience it and just take it all in. And just like, it's just kind of like this overwhelming, like happy look on his face. And I think he played that really well because, you know, for the most part, his character is is very smart, very direct and not too emotional, you know? And I mean, if you compare, if you compare anybody to a 15 year old boy or anybody in their adolescence, the the 15 year old is going to be way more emotional. Well, it's, it's hard because when, you know, at the age that we're at, and I'm person uh, as a as a man, and a lot of people say men, you know, we mature a lot later than girls like you. But mm-hmm. guess what? It's fucking true. It's, yeah, it kind it no, it kind of is. Like I'm, I'm reaching a certain level of maturity, and especially when it comes to your sexuality, when it comes to sex, when it comes to relationships, it's, it's a weird road to walk. Mm-hmm. And it comes to being on this side of the fence where, you know, it's, you know, gay versus straight. And it's, it's not first. I shouldn't say first. It's, I should just say it's, it's different. Next but to, yeah. You watch an older man fall in love with a younger guy who is, and they're both walking the same road at the same time. Yeah. What it is when when you reach our age, like, yeah, no, still figuring shit out. Like, a few years ago, yeah, totally in terms with being gay. And then, you know, new things enter into the, the picture. And it's just, it's a really good representation of both sides of that coin. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's very interesting to see how the two of them play off of one another because they are so connected from the beginning, even though they don't kind of show that in the movie. But, like, literally when um, Oliver holds out the statue hand and Elio extends his hand and calls it a truce, like yeah. that's one of the best parts of the movie because you finally get to see a physical representation of that that connection but it's always kind of like just a words back and forth kind of connection up until that point mm-hmm. and you also see the childish side of Elio because I'm literally watching it right now and um, it was the scene where him and Oliver was, were swimming and Oliver's like well I'm going to go hang out with your mom and then Elio goes over and pushes him away and it's like no so you still see the childish side of Elio but you also understand the fact that these two characters are going to end up loving one another. Yeah. And it's also like, there's something too about um, like 
they really do a good job about like fragmenting the initial attraction that you have with someone like, and in this case, what could be more, you know, like hot than being next door to somebody and like hearing them walk in and out of the room, going through their room and like, you know, smelling their stuff and thinking about them existing in that you know, room next to you and what are they doing? And like, if I could just be next to that person, touch them, hear them breathe. Like there's this like real, like huge, like level of like, like intimacy beyond attraction that I just think is like, I love to see it on screen because I think those firsts are so exciting when all like the, you know, the neurons are firing in your brain and you've got all that, you know, extra chemicals going off because you're experiencing attraction and love for the first time. I think they played that out really well and not trying to make it a slow burn until they finally have sex or the scene with the peach or whatever, you know, it's like, they're just setting up like that, that intimacy of arousal at first, you know, and how it's not just about sex. It's about getting to know someone and then like being obsessed with them at first. Don't even get me started on the whole peace part because that. Well, I mean, we should talk about it. (laughs) I I think this. I I love that scene because, again, exploration of sexuality, exploration of expressing yourself via sexuality, Mm -hmm. and he gets embarrassed by it. He gets so embarrassed by it that he cries in Oliver's arms. Yeah, it's such a great representation of like almost getting caught masturbating by your parents. Mm-hmm. Like your parents walking in the room and opening the door with the widest eyes you've ever seen, mm-hmm. turn around, close the door, and then you have to talk about it later. Yeah. But it's almost like Oliver's character gives Elliot the the room to feel what needs to be felt mm-hmm. without the forcefulness. And um, not and not to linger on the shame either. Which I thought was really important because like you don't want to like when people are that's probably the first time that Elio's ever done that and stepped up his, you know, masturbation routine. Um, But, you know, but um, yeah, but I like that it exactly didn't he didn't need to be shamefully embarrassed, you know, and that's what you learned. Yeah, yeah. I thought I found that very like refreshing and very real. And I'm glad there we have a different take on, you know, exploring your own sexuality via masturbation before you are with someone, you know, making sure that you're sexually comfortable before you, you know, do something for the first time. Like, you know, this is, probably, this is the first time he's ever been with a man. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it, overall, it's just one of one of the most beautiful movies that I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. One of the most well-written movies I've ever seen. One of the most well-acted movies I've ever seen. Yeah. And it, 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 I am a little bit biased when it comes to it because, it, because the main you know, subject line that we're talking about is homosexuality and, and being gay. And it's, it, it obviously touches very close to home. Yeah. But it's just it's so important that movies like this are made and young people are able to see that look, it's fucking okay to 
Be who you are. Ooh, wait, let me stop you right there because we're going to take a break. And then when we come back, we're going to talk about the uh, my favorite scene and one of the best scenes in the movie, which is the scene that uh, when Elliot's dad or uh, Elio's dad gives him some advice. And we might cry or we may not, but we'll be right back. We're going to cry. It's going to happen. Okay, and we're back, and we're going to talk about the more towards the end of the movie and the outcome and some of our favorite scenes that came uh, from the second act of the movie. And you wanted to talk about the scene when they are in this, uh, the town square. So let's talk about that scene a little bit, because like I was saying, I may or may not have not been paying attention at that very moment. Um, <laughs> so what were the things that stood out to you in that scene? The... The fact that almost okay, so we know that Elio is a very intelligent kid. We're talking about a very smart fifteen-year-old who is a brilliant piano player, who is very versed in kind of knowledge, mm-hmm. but still in terms of knowledge of himself. And this is the first scene that you really get to see that Elio's recognizing the fact that he is. He wants to be more than friends with Oliver. Yes. And Oliver kind of shuts him down and he's like, why are you talking to me about this? Why are, why are you bringing this up? We can't talk about this. We shouldn't talk about this. And it goes towards what we were talking about earlier, like the fact that the 15-year-old is teaching the 20-something-year-old about himself. And he's even more in touch with himself. He's trying to express it. But in this kind of like abstract, like, no, the, the words aren't literally said, but the idea is planted and they both know what they're talking about. Yeah, they're speaking they around the, yeah, around everything. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's, that's actually a very beautiful way to recognize the connection between the two of them without fully just diving in at that point Mm -hmm. but just laying it out there yeah there's something kind of refreshing about people skirting around an issue because they may not may or may not feel safe in that like emotional place that they're going into because what that is the biggest rejection is to tell someone i have feelings for you this is crazy but we should do this you know and you see too many romantic uh, comedies, sorry, you know, I don't like them, um, where they're just like, look, I like you, okay, I just want to be with you all the time, and it's like, shut up, please, and let's just, like, take in the moment, and that is, like, pretty much the the, the tagline for this whole movie should be, take in the moment, and I do, I'm glad you pointed that out, because I do really like how they, they have to talk about it in a certain way, and and it just adds like this really cool, like nuance to the movie that just, it doesn't oversaturate you with that too much, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's again, a very like important side of this relationship that we watch, that we watch over the course of two hours build. And it's, it's really fucking hard to describe 
a lot of this stuff because it's I'm literally watching them ride bikes and yeah. it's it, it's so it's very personal and I don't know like exactly what to say because I know all of this is going to go on the internet but I do know what to say at the same time I I don't know it's it's a connection that you have with a person that you have to struggle for. Nice, yeah. That's exactly what it is. Very hard to comment on. What makes it hard? It's fucking weird. It's fucking weird. It's, I don't know because you. No one ever wants to tell someone that they're wrong. Mm-hmm. And you never want to tell yourself that you're wrong. But the feeling of being wrong when you feel like it's right yeah. is, a, is like a huge hurdle to try to cross over. And I guess it maybe, maybe it just bothers me because I, it brings up like memories of me doing the same thing. Yeah. That's, maybe that's probably why it's hard to kind of like articulate in words mm-hmm. as opposed to just watching something and thinking yourself. It's hard also, I think one of like the main themes is that I never with this movie feel like Elio is in love and Oliver isn't. I never feel like that the two of them aren't quite giving enough, but Elio is our avatar into this world and he is the one that we're supposed to be, you know, sticking with, not Oliver. And I, I think maybe where it got like really tough, like in certain parts to watch is that as like we were talking about like eternal optimism and maybe that this will be something good, but sometimes you think you see something being played out and then you think back to your own life and you're just like, Oh, remember that time when I believed in my heart and my soul and I felt it in my bones that this was right and this was supposed to happen and that I deserved this and I needed this. And then you don't, get it and that person goes away or and then you're left thinking like will I ever be certain of anything ever again and how long it takes you in life to learn you know your love language and what you need and you just it's so hard how we struggle in love before we really find good love and Elliot's and sorry his name Elio, sorry. Their two names sound too similar. Um, Elio is, you know, a, he's a teenager, so we know it, it can't happen or it won't last, you know, and it's just, it's heartbreaking because what he feels is real and he does deserve it. Yeah. 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 And it's, it's very hard to kind of like understanding how to navigate those avenues of what you feel, the fact that you know that it's true, and when you're navigating it with someone that you that doesn't know what they want is another thing, and, you know, that, sorry, but Eric is, Eric and my relationship was the same way. We started off very rocky for three, mm-hmm. three years, and because he didn't know what he wanted. Yeah. And so, like, I understand where Elio's coming from. Because he knows, he understands what he wants. Mm-hmm. He's very like straightforward with it, 
very straightforward with it, according to the scene that I'm watching in the current past current moment. Yeah. Um, but it's it's very personal. It is. It's very. It comes down to you know the, the feeling that you have in your heart and your soul, and when you get rejected at the beginning, it's, it makes it even more difficult. Yeah. So, it's, it's, this is actually turning out to be a lot harder of a conversation than I thought it would. Well, that's why we know it's this is real art, and this is a great movie, and great acting, and all of this stuff, because we're it's a reflection that we're looking through a lens, and this is my favorite thing about TV and, and if it comes from film is that there's a lot of catharsis. And when there's a good movie, you're going to be thinking about it for a long time. And you're going to be thinking of those scenes and rewatching those movies and then replaying those scenes in your head just to figure out what exactly it means to you. So it, but it's, it's, it's great. And that's what, you know, that's what makes art so awesome in this respect is that it makes us go there. Cause how often are we just, watching movies and then they're over and we're like, whatever. And we're binging through stuff that we don't even really like, you know, to get a little like prize like this and to get a movie like this that are so like few and far between. I think that's why like the first time I saw eternal sunshine and the spotless mind, I think I was like 19 and I was like, this explains so much for me. This explains like how I feel and how I think of relationships. And then knowing that I still had so far to go and learn about myself and learn about myself in relationships at that point that I still watch that movie. And every time it's different. And every time you're good, I gotcha. Anyways, but no, <laughs> no worries, no worries. But every time I watch that movie, um, it's, it's totally different. And I see different structures in the characters and I relate to them in different ways. And this is cool. Cause we're going to be watching this movie. You could be watching this movie in five years and feel completely different about it, but to take it, take it away from the really hard stuff to talk about. Let's talk about something that I think is just really one of the most beautiful things in this, uh, in this film. And that is the relationship that he has with his dad and his family, of course. But, um, I love the scene uh, where him and his family are, they're reading on the couch and they're all cuddled up on the couch and, um, oh, hi puppies. And his, uh, and his mom is reading them, uh, translating a book from German or something, I think. And um, what is the, what is the quote? I have it here. Is it better to speak or to die? I'll never have the courage to ask a question like that. And so it's just like, it, it's just like these beautiful books and then they're going to recover the artifacts and that's what his dad does. And there's just these really great scenes that you get to see, you know, the kind of family that Elio is in. And the one scene for me where I just completely lost it and then kept crying until the credits rolled was uh, Elio's dad sitting down with him on the couch after um, Oliver has left and things have just kind of slowed down and they're kind of over. Um, his dad saying to him, you know, instead of saying, 
you know, so you're gay now, or, you know, well, I told that was destined for failure, you know, that those things never last, you know, grow up or whatever that some, you know, parents try to teach their kids these like lessons in life and really young and stuff. But instead he kind of just related back to Elio, like his experience and whether or not that makes his dad gay or bi or not or whatever. Um, I just really thought how beautiful it is for a parent to tell their child, this is going to happen and you're going to feel it. And everything you feel is valid and don't push down these like glimmers of hope or these like, you know, being optimistic. Don't push that away because you won't get it back. You know, if you take that away, you won't get it back. So it was, that was really heartfelt. And I just think like a really beautiful sentiment for a father to tell his son or, you know, or his homosexual son or, or whatever. It's just a great way to be talking to children in film. Yeah. No, there's a, there's a great quote. I'm probably going to start crying. It's okay. I'll know. cry with you. But, um, uh, don't cry. Don't cry. Don't cry. But we rip out so much of ourselves to be cured of things faster than we should. That we go bankrupt by the age of 30 and have less to offer each time we start with someone mm. new. That's so true. Oh. That is such a sad line. But to feel nothing so as not to feel anything, what a waste. Ugh. Like, it's so fucking perfect. I love that. I love that so much. And it's just, it, it, it is such an interesting way to look at life. And this, like, what we could have told ourselves in hindsight, like, if in therapy, you know, there's a thing you do where you talk to young people you, your inner child. And, you know, you say all the things that you would have wanted to hear at that time. And I just think, I mean, even though, you know, we have great relationships with our parents and stuff, but I know we've both talked about really low points in, in our lives and stuff when maybe we were just overcome with sadness and, you know, our parents didn't take it seriously because of whatever was going on in their lives and stuff. And, to just take that minute and, and express like the wisdom that you gain from life experience. And I mean, I will not be having kids. That's not in, you know, that I, it's not something I want in my future. But one of the things when I think about like what, what's the biggest bummer of that is not being able to like impart my pain and my suffering and telling my children about it so that maybe they didn't have to go the same route. Well, like when, Aspirin, yeah. <laughs>
to prepare you for. Mm-hmm. But just know that I'm here and I understand to a certain extent. Yeah. At the end of the day, I'm here. Yeah. And that would be one of the one of the main things I would I would tell my child if I didn't have one that wouldn't stop growling. <laughs> that's why I'm recording in the bathroom because my child will not shut up and I probably couldn't have gotten through a, a podcast recording with it no we have our we have our fur children but we definitely yeah that would that is going to be one of the things that I will always think like oh that would have been great is to just you know it, if anything just tell them I know the world is scary and I know that the world sucks but if you go down the dark side it will take you all of your twenties to look at the world again and think that it's beautiful. And if you have negative thoughts and you choose like negativity, you're going to waste your twenties being depressed in bed and you're going to look back on it and go, I really wish I didn't do that. You know? And I love that Elio has, there is so much like beauty in his, his expression and, and the way that his eyes, his gaze at the world is so, you know, like optimistic and hopeful. And I love that about him, but it's just one of those like eternal truths that every single person, whether you're gay or straight or whatever are going to go through. And that's getting your fucking heart broken. And it feels like it's the end and it feels like you'll never love again and nothing will ever compare to this. And it's, it's silly now to look back on that and think that way. But good God, when I was 19, did I fucking believe that that was true? And it's just the, so let's talk about one of the things I also really wanted to say about how, you know, just how beautiful the movie is and set in this gorgeous paradise in Italy is I really, really like the way um, that they changed. They just skipped a season real fast and went to winter and it's snowing. And it's just kind of like, you get the sense that, that Elio has learned a lot and grown from this experience, but then he gets a phone call. Do you want to tell Evan, tell everybody what happens? Oh, God. Or if you, uh, <laughs> as you're about to cry, I'm like, tell them the saddest part. Well, no, because I'm, I'm reading another excerpt, excerpt of the dad's monologue as we speak. Oh, God. Um, yeah. The phone call comes. Finally, Elio gets to hear back from Oliver. And Oliver is engaged to a woman and kind of expresses to Elio that his father would never accept the fact that he would want to be with Elio instead of with this woman that he's now engaged to. And Elio hears this, and it's the end of the movie. Oh. No, it's a it's really sad, and I think he he hears it, and he accepts it because it's not as if he could have ever predicted that was coming. Um, But I think he learned enough about the loss part of maybe their relationship to just not be, you know, so blindsided, but he, he is crushed. Like he is completely crushed and so bad to watch him hurt. It does. It does. And like his body posturing is perfect for it. And then at the end we see Elio sitting in front of the fire and I just, 
I love this scene so fucking much. It could have been the cheesiest, dumbest thing to be like, oh, I'm looking into the fire and like, wow, having a deep life moment. But luckily with filmmaking like this and acting like this and the beautiful fucking soundtrack of Sufjan Stevens, if it were set to any other song than that, I probably wouldn't have had as big of a reaction to it. But um, he's just gazing, he's gazing into the fire and just putting it all together in his head. You can see him like replaying the summer and replaying the things that make him, his eyes smile. Like he doesn't smile, but like make his eyes brighten and then his eyes get sad again. And then he's almost learning the lesson right there in front of you and putting it together, rationalizing it and, you know, just kind of going, okay, that was a big experience in my life. And I'm always going to remember this moment. And there you go. The heavy, I mean, I feel like the heaviest part of that is the fact that you're feeling that with him. Yes. And just by the way that they filmed it, like you said, the acting, the way that the movie was felt, shot, um, the music, the music is heart-wrenching. Mm-hmm. The whole scene is heart-wrenching, but you're going, you're going through the same waves of emotion that he is. Yeah. While he's sitting there, and you're feeling all of the feelings that he's feeling and you summed it up really well. Like you see it in his eyes, you see enjoyment, you see happiness, you see sadness, you see devastation, you see the fact that he achieved something that he feels like he will never achieve again. Mm -hmm. But then you also see the fact that he realizes that, yeah, this was, an experience. Yeah. It's an, an important experience for that character because it turns him into who he is. And he walks into that door at the beginning of that scene with so much confidence. Yeah, yeah, he does. Is knocked down so hard, but sometimes it's important to get knocked down. Sometimes you fucking learn so much from getting kicked in the shins. Mm hmm. Uh, or hitting your fucking funny bone on the corner of a desk. Yeah. And you learn. Every day. You, you figure out how you're supposed to feel. And there's a lot of people that don't give themselves the opportunity to have those feelings. Yeah. I can think that a lot of, some of like, beyond just the, the numbing feelings of like depression and, and stuff like that, but through heartbreak and loss, you know, and, all of that, like what you experience is it's, it's like a, it's like a huge, like myriad of emotions. So you're feeling so much. And I just, I've, I always did remember thinking that, that maybe that's what was going through Elio's mind was I achieved something here and I've lost it. And this experience is going to stay with me for the rest of my life. And I'm going to draw back from this and here in this moment it's important and I am present in that moment. And that's why, I mean, that song is perfect, but I'll hear Arcade Fire or Andrew Bird or some of my favorite bands with a certain song that I was sitting right there, staring into my own fire, listening to that song, rationalizing what was happening to me and figuring out how big of a life event I'm going through, you know, and 
what you're going through in, in life and stuff and those those huge moments that our mind will just always go back to. I think I think that was just executed so well by him. And God, it's so sad, but it's it's really beautiful. And I think I just and I also like the idea that you're left with this character and you are just like thinking I like to think about characters and think about all the things that they're going to accomplish, you know, and it's just like he's going to have such a great life because he already has had one and he's done the hardest thing he could ever do, which is get his heart broken young and then learn from that, learn he's homosexual, learn that life, you know, that love is really hard and I'm, I'm going to get it and then I'm going to lose it. Yeah. Yeah, and then uh, even another thought that just popped in my head was the fact that how much how much beauty comes from her. Oh, absolutely. It, you really learn so many beautiful things from being hurt. You can't get anywhere in life. You cannot feel like that's why we're never. I always say we're not put. Things suck really bad sometimes, but we're not put on earth to suffer you just have to get through the suffering to get to the beauty to get to what you deserve you know to get to the good things you have to suffer through them so nothing's gonna come easy no nothing that's worth it will ever come easy and everybody remember that if your heart is broken right now (laughs) just that's what you have to grovel you have to get through those steps in in life and really you know hurt to feel the beauty and feel the happiness and Damn, this movie just does that, sends that message across so well and so wonderfully. But we are running out of time right now. Is there anything else you want to say about Call Me By Your Name before we stop? No, everybody should watch it. Everybody should watch it. And it's just, it's it's so good. Even if you got into it a couple year and a half too late. Um, but it is, it's perfect. It's definitely one of the best movies I've seen all year. And um I wish I would have gotten on the train in the first place back in 2017, but that's our 2017 pick. Call me by your name. And um, we'll be back with some more movies and stuff, but we will also be back because Watchmen is coming and his dark materials is coming brand new shows. And we're going to be recapping and doing little episodes every week. So I'm really looking forward to that because I've missed uh, podcasting with you. Which one of those two are you most excited for? His Dark Materials. Yeah, okay. I mean, I'm I'm going to watch Watchmen, and I am going to stick it out because it is done by Damon Lindelof, who's one of my favorite showrunners. So I trust him, and I trust the cast. And even if it doesn't, you know, I don't know. There's a lot of things behind it because it is a comic book or a dark novel adaptation, whatever. Um, but I really, I trust, I think HBO is on a really good role since Game of Thrones has ended. Um, Succession has been amazing. The Righteous Gemstones has been amazing. I will probably be covering that, um, with some friends in Portland. So that those episodes will be coming up soon, but now you and I finally have shows to, to watch together every week. It's going to be great. Yeah. It's yeah. going to be so good. I'm really excited about that. So Evan, we will hear from you soon. I love you and thank you for sharing and opening up to our listeners and everything. That was really, that was a great recording and I hope everybody had some deep and meaningful moments. I love it. Thank I love you so much. All right. I love you. All right. Love you. Bye. Bye.